Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. I'm doing the program here from an undisclosed bunker here in the great state of Colorado. And uh, my partner Paul's doing the show from an undisclosed bunker in the great state of Nevada. Paul, I'm on duty. What about you, brother? Yes, ready to go. Hey, uh, just uh, we are two men that are in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, we are slaves of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Amen. And we are here to teach people to love God, save souls, and slay error. And remember, we are, we're called to stand up, stand up, stand up for Jesus with our lives, with our lips, and with our love. Paul, there's two things that we're going to be discussing today. One of the things that I've noticed, and you've probably noticed, both of us lived in California for many, many years. Mm-hmm. I, know, I now live in the great state of Arizona. But when I go to California to visit family or for business or what have you, I notice that California, which is, again, it's a, it's a hotbed of a lot of things that offend God. San Francisco, West Hollywood, Hollywood, the San Fernando Valley, which is the center of pornography. Uh, there's a, the, uh, the, the first church of Satan was built in San Francisco. The whole homosexual movement in both those cities, Hollywood, West Hollywood, San Francisco. Uh, there's a lot of sin, a lot of systemic evil there. And also I noticed something else. Hmm. Those cities are very dirty. Oh, yeah. Very dirty, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. It's, an, embar- yeah. it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. As a matter of fact, when I... Uh, when I'm when I moved out of California, Jess, the first thing I noticed was, wow, it's clean. But but uh, I'm sad to report, Jess, there there was a saying that we used to say, and it would say, so goes California. So goes the nation. You're right. And so, yeah. And so now what's happening is everything that's wrong with California is being exported out to Correct. other states. And we are. We are, we are, you know, I, I jokingly tell my wife in Nevada, it's, we call it little California now. <laughs> interesting. And you know, yeah. it's, it's interesting because not only is California, because California and New York, both coasts are the media capitals of the world that are, ba- it's basically a tool of Satan at this point. Yeah. Not only are they exporting their sin via technology, but also because of so much homelessness so much drug addiction, so much yes. violence within those cities. They're also exporting the homelessness, the the, the filth of uh, the, uh, the community and the violence to other cities around the country. Mm. And that's why, that's why I want to talk today about, you know, sometimes in the Middle Ages, people get a bad rap. They, they, they call the Middle Ages the Dark Ages. Oh, yeah. Hey, and Jess, I have one more thing. Um, they used to say... And I, and I hope they still say it, but cleanliness is next to godliness, right? I've heard There's, you say I mean, that before. I remember you used to say that. When, when yeah, we were, well, my mother, we young my men, mother, yeah, we my, young men my, used to say that. My mother drilled that into me ever since I was a child. Cleanliness is next to godliness, and I so I I do you know how we talk about the the natural physical world uh, reflecting spiritual realities. I think there's a connection there, Jess. You know, you're, you're absolutely right, and I'm going to tell you why because. Many of my my priest friends who are exorcists, one of the things that they do when they're dealing with somebody who's di- diabolically possessed 
is they have to, they basically teach them just the simple things like get up at a set time early in the morning, make your bed, comb your hair, brush your teeth, then start your morning prayers that I've taught you. So it's it's interesting. You'll find that people that are diabolically possessed, when you've been to their houses and their person, the way they dress, it's unkempt, it's untidy, it's dirty, it's disordered. And it isn't until you start bringing in the order of the Catholic faith, uh, knowledge of the gospel, knowledge of the, of the commandments, knowledge of, 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 the, of the teachings of the church. Uh, once you start bringing that intellectual order into the soul, then they start making their bed. They start getting up at seven in the morning. They start brushing their teeth and combing their hair. So wow. there's, there's a direct connection with the disorder of the human body and also the disorder of the soul. So, yeah, so, so, so what you're saying then, and it makes sense, it all makes perfect sense, but uh, uh, chaos are, is the seed sown uh, from disorder, right? That's the result. And so when you have spiritual chaos, you, uh, you know, it's reflected in physical chaos in, in the physical world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the flip side it. of that, and, and the flip side, it makes perfect sense. Obviously, if you have order, uh, within spiritual order, then you begin to, you know, society and the physical world, the natural world, then begins to reflect that order. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, that's why, that's why, for example, this is why you embrace the love for Jesus Christ very early on in your life as a young man, albeit through, through Protestantism, but it was a genuine love for Christ, is because you've always been a person since I've known a person that embraces structure and order. You served the country in the military for several years. You had a long career as a cop. You retired as a lieutenant. So even on the physical external side, you've always been somebody that's embraced law and order and structure. That's why it's been easy for you to be a follower of Christ, even though you're a follower of Christ in Protestantism for, for, for many years. But the fact is that internal order that you embrace to be a disciple of Christ it comes from the fact that you had all this already, this this uh, external, uh, you have these proclivities to external to external order and structure. Yeah, but before I give Protestantism too much credit, and don't get me wrong, I, I appreciate the time that I spent there because God taught me so much while I was there. But it was those, it was the sacraments that I received uh, uh, as a child. And oh, yeah. it was my my mother and obviously uh, uh, reinforcing that, but the Holy Spirit just watering, giving me that thirst. Uh, uh, you know, uh, as St. Augustine says, Jess, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Yes. So uh, even, even when I was convinced that the Catholic Church was wrong in a lot of areas, um, you know, uh, I, I sought God with everything that I knew. And then I had, you know, again... Uh, God, uh, in his providence, caused me to run into a guy named Jess Romero <laughs> and the rest <laughs> and the rest was history. <laughs> well, let's jump in I, I, it, to God be the glory. Let's jump into this article. It says people in the Middle Ages love virtue and therefore practice cleanliness. This is exactly what we're saying. It says one of the most enduring myths about the Middle Ages is that is that the period was not clean. The conditions of the time supposedly did not allow for personal hygiene and sanitation. Most people assume that cleanliness was at best 
reserved for a privileged few. History does not support this distorted vision. In fact, the Wall Street Journal, in a piece written in 2023, January 14th, they recently published a story in which the author, Eleanor Janega, admitted in the title, quote, the Middle Ages were cleaner than we think, close quote. Mm. Much cleaner, it seems, than even later periods. Obviously, the technology of the time did not permit developments like modern plumbing. However, the framework for clean living was in place. There was a universal desire to be clean at all levels of medieval society. Indeed, the Middle Ages might be considered the initiator of the quest for cleanliness. Paul, here's my comment. I dare say that the, 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 a typical city in the Middle Ages in Europe uh, was much cleaner than downtown Los Angeles and downtown San Francisco. <laughs> you know, uh, that's amazing to even think about that, isn't it? But uh, you're you're right. Uh, I don't think you saw, you know, the level of uh, depravity that you that you see uh, where people are just so destitute. They're, you know, they're you know, uh, unfortunately, they've given into. Uh, um, using drugs to try to sedate, you know, just to self-medicate uh, from the reality. But uh, again, Jess, it, it just goes, you know, there's that connection, you know. Um, I'm reminded of David when he says in the Psalms, I have been young and now I'm old and I have yet to see those trusting in him, begging for bread in the streets. Wow. wow. You know, okay. you know, that's a, that's a, that's a huge statement, but it, yet, yet it's a statement given to us by the word of God. Amen. And then this, and this is what I tell people. I say, listen, uh, when I, you know, you know, cause it's frustrating if you, you know, you know, you wonder, you know, people are constantly out there and I tell them, listen, I give them that scripture and I tell them, listen, those that seek me will find me, God says, and I will not hide my face. God's name is on the line, Jess. Yes. Amen. And Paul, St. Paul even tells us, he tells the Thessalonians, uh, those that do not work should not eat. Oh yeah. Again, again, yeah, I'll tell you why, because uh, the Catholic church teaches that work these are papal statements throughout the centuries that work gives you dignity. Mm. Work, work, work is something that helps you uh, feel yes. like you're 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 serving something bigger than yourself. It, yes. it, it gives you that human dignity that we all look for. Yeah, uh, and you contribute to society. Yes. Yeah. Instead of becoming a menace to society. Exactly. Yeah. It says here, let me share this one paragraph before we go to the break. Like most medieval matters, religion played a great role in securing this civilizing achievement. Dr. Janega claims the medievals took to heart the expression that cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> there it is. With Mrs. Clay there. Yeah. People associated a clean and ordered body with virtue and purity. Impurity and vice were rightly associated with sinfulness and dirtiness. I don't think anything's changed, Paul. I think we uh, still believe the same thing in our hearts. And again, exorcists know this quite well. That's why, once yes. again, somebody who's possessed, they teach them basic stuff like how to brush their teeth, how to comb their hair, how to do their bed. It starts from external physical cleanliness. Then they start working on the interior life. You know, Jess, I, I, I have a friend. And, uh, you know, and this is sort of related. Uh, okay. That's it. We'll, we'll hit right it on back. the other side of the break. That's right. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, cleanliness is next to godliness. And the people in the Middle Ages, they had more much cleanliness, outer cleanliness, and probably even inner cleanliness than we do today in 2023 with all our gadgets and technology. Paul, as we're talking about this, you had mentioned something to me right before the break. Yeah. So, yeah, Jess, I was just uh, again, I, it's, it's, it's closely related. I think you can you can correct me. But, you know, I've got a friend who, um, you know, he likes to, you know, um, think about his life in terms of, oh, yeah, God has looked out for me. He's done this. He's done that, even though, you know, he's had many failures in his life. And, and it, you know, he's he gives God all of this credit. But at the same time, I noticed that, you know, there was no real morality in his life. I mean, he's still out there, you know, uh, living an unchaste life and, you know, uh, different things. And, and I and I told him, I says, listen, uh, you know, how do you really connect those two things? You know, on the one hand, you want to convince me that you're a man of faith. And on the other hand, you know, you're you're out there carousing and doing all the deeds of the flesh, as sacred scripture says. And man, he got so angry, Jess, he just starts, you know, like, who are you to, you know, to try to put your morality on me? If that's what you do, that's what you do, you know, and uh, he, he can't connect the two, Jess. And I just liken it unto the fact that, you know, um, there has been years of uh, this easy believism gospel that has been peddled through Protestantism that all you have to do is have faith and 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 your works there just somehow, you know, don't mean anything. And uh, uh, it's just I can really see the damage done by false ide- uh, false ideology. Um, what yeah. do you say about that? Yeah. Yeah. Paul, there's what happens. As you sin, especially when you sin with the body, and Father yeah. Gabriel Mort, the very famous exorcist of Rome that passed away in 2016, he says this: the devil will get you. To, the devil will do anything to get you to sin with your body. Why? Yeah. Why is that? Because the reason is, is because let's be honest: the sins below the waist feel good. Yeah, they feel. Let's just be honest. Okay, they feel good, mm-hmm. and this is the this is why. As people pursue uh, to, to satisfy their emotions and not uh, form their intellect, they reject the intellect. They reject the Holy Spirit convicting them of sin. They follow their emotions. And what ends up happening, sin after sin after sin, especially of the sexual type, it darkens the intellect. It mm-hmm. makes you stupid. And at, at this po- point... You don't even have the ability to, to, to use right reason and prudence any yeah, longer yeah. because the mind is so dark. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense, Jess. And, uh, and, 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 and it weakens the will because a man, That's you know, exactly. a, a man has a will, you know, and, and yeah. essentially when you give into those things and those passions, you've essentially enslaved your will. And, and, you know, so when you hear the truth of the gospel, whosoever will let him come, you see the danger there, the danger yeah. when you when you basically are a man who lives according to his fleshly desires and and, uh, you know, and he moves by his emotions. You know, I had to, you know, essentially with him, just I had to wash my hands of him and tell him, listen, um, you know, uh, I can't continue to tell you these things when you have that response, make, you know, you will stand before God one day and God 
the judge of all the earth shall do what is right. I'm not going to be the one. Yeah, I, I said, I'm not going to be the one condemning yeah. you. That'll be, you know, that'll be God. But uh, and then I then I basically I sent him a photo of that good old 1962 missile, you know, because he told me, oh, and you're perfect. And I told him, no, I'm not perfect. But but, um, you know, I, I just sent him a, a, a slight picture that said, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you know, when you're when you're reading the missile and what it says is let me read it for you uh, yeah it says okay and i just i just took i said grant O lord that what we have taken with our mouth we may receive with a pure mind and that from a temporal gift it may it, it may become for us an eternal remedy may the body of uh may thy body O lord which I have received and thy blood, which I have drunk, cleave to my heart and grant that no stain of sin may remain in me, uh, whom thy pure and holy sacraments have refreshed, who liveth and reigneth world without end. Amen. Jess, listen, uh, that's, you know, I said, that's the difference. You know, um, uh, I'm trusting in the Lord. Jesus said in John chapter six, you know, he who eats my body and drinks my blood, you know, we're going to have eternal life, period. You know, I have to give them that, you know, far be it from me that I'm standing on my own righteousness. Exactly. And Paul, and that's exactly why St. Paul uses the reference about the human body. Yeah, uh, we are, our, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and St. Paul even says in, in to the Corinthians, he says, that's why he says, when you unite your body with a prostitute, you become one with that prostitute. Mm. And, 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 and that's why he says, don't do that. Because mm -hmm. you're defiling the temple of the Holy Spirit of which your body is. Yeah. People seem to forget there's a bit of Gnosticism in a lot of Americans and even within, within a lot of Protestantism. Mm -hmm. they, 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 Christ died for our sins. True statement. Mm -hmm. But Christ not only died for our sins, for our soul, he died also for our body. Right. And people seem to say, you know what? As long as you accept Jesus Christ as person, Lord and Savior, as long as you believe in Jesus... You know what? Uh, whatever you do with your body, you know what? Uh, you can throw caution to the wind when that when it comes to that. But so long as you follow, believe in Christ and say this prayer. No, Christ died for the body and for the soul. Both yes. the body yes. will, will 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 be will stand before the presence of God upon death, and the and the same. I mean, the soul. Excuse me. Will stand in the presence of God upon death, and the body yeah. will stand in the presence of Christ at the general judgment. Christ yes. came to redeem both. He came yes. to make both holy, not just. Yes. He came to make the body holy as well. Yes, that what a, what a great point. So when we read in sacred scripture, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, don't take that lightly. You know, no. we know what happened to Aaron's sons when they basically burned. Uh, you know, uh, uh, far and fire before the Lord, they were consumed. <laughs> You know, that's right. They were struck right. down. And so, yeah, we, we, we have to remember that, listen, Christ redeemed our bodies and therefore glorify him with everything. This is our only reasonable sacrifice, Jess. Yeah, that's what that St. Paul says. Glorify God with your body. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and I'll tell you what's it, what's uh, what's important is that Protestants will say, OK, uh, you know, we have a. Uh, the doctrine of justification and the doctrine of sanctification. Catholics have the same doctrine as well. Mm -hmm. The only thing is that Catholics, we understand God's the doctrine of justification and sanctification to be united. 
They're working right. in tandem. They're not separate. They're, they're, That's right. They're working in tandem and both end. <laughs> and as Catholics, we actually believe as well that the doctrine of sanctification, it even continues in the afterlife. It is the mercy of mm. God, which provides for us as the Jews understood Sheol, the, the abode of the dead, where the Jews believed in the afterlife that the soul was purified before it entered into paradise, the presence of God. The Greeks also believed in that. The, the, the Greeks, uh, Plato and Socrates, believed in a place called Hades. It was the afterlife where the souls were purified before they went into the light. They didn't say God. They said where they before they went into the light. Well, we know who that light is. And mm -hmm. so, and the doctrine of purgatory is basically, it's, 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 it's the final rush of the graces of justification and sanctification being imparted to the soul before they enter into the presence of God. It's done by God and it's all God. But again, like Amen. you said, it starts with an act of the will. We have yes. to, St. Thomas Aquinas was asked by his sister. She said, St. Thomas, what must I do to get to heaven? And he told his sister, just will it, mm. just will it. I In other words, it's a, it, it, it's, it's the power of the soul. The will is one of the faculties yeah. of the soul. It's a power of the soul. And the power of the soul is that you have the power to say yes to God and no to God every day, minute by minute, second by second. And, you know, just as you were speaking, uh, uh, I was just reminded of an old uh, Protestant song, uh, old Calvary Chapel song, and it was yeah. Re Refiner's Fire, you know? <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah, I remember that song. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. exactly, that's exactly. That's purgatory. What, that's purgatory. Yes, yes. Refiner's Fire. That what comes out is pure and holy. All the dross is just melted off, and what's left is pure. And I, yeah. I'm reminded again in the Psalms where, you know, he says, you know, one day you will look for the wicked man but you will find him no more. He will be scarcer than pure Amen. gold. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Paul, something interesting about this article that I do want to mention, uh, because I, I always like to point out the, 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 the Catholic, uh, the, the Catholic facts here is that mm -hmm. in the middle ages, uh, I'm reading here, uh, in the middle ages, soap was invented in the middle ages. It says here, soap was invented in the sixth century in Europe. Well, guess what? What was the religion in 6th century Europe? Wasn't Protestants? Wasn't the Orthodox? That means Catholics invented the soap. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Hey, Catholics uh, you invented know, the soap. Here's another along, one. Yeah, it yeah. says that in the Middle Ages, they also invented tooth powders to keep teeth clean. Hazelwood twigs served as toothbrushes. Medieval used, medievals used mouthwashes to keep the mouth fresh and attractive. Uh, and it gives you all this, the, all the details there. Well, guess who invented the first toothbrush? Catholics. <laughs> well, again, as you know, Catholics, essentially, uh, the Catholic Church has developed the whole Western world. Yes. 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 So in the end, yes. hospitals, yes. you know, you name it, the Catholic universities, Church. orphanages. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Science, schools. Yes. Uh, yes. telescopes what a uh, gift what a gift what, what a gift the church has been yeah, to this yeah. world to, to the to humankind Jess. yeah well here's one of the big of all the things that the catholic church has given i, I just look soap and, and toothbrushes were invented yes. by catholics in the sixth century yeah. uh but 
the, one of the greatest gifts the Catholic Church has given the world is obviously the whole the holy sacrifice of the mass. A Ooh. and B My and B, the greatest heirloom that the Catholic Church has given the world is sacred scripture. Yes. That that came through the auspices and work and labor of love of the Roman Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church, by the way, also invented the printing press to start mass producing Bibles in 1439. Yes, yes. Well, uh, yeah, that's uh, that was uh, John Gutenberg, right? Yes, yes, sir. Uh, yeah. So the so the thing is, is um, Jess, and I was sharing this uh, with somebody last night. Make it quick. Uh, we got about okay. a minute. Okay, we got about a minute. Um, so, well, we'll save that thought. I don't think I can do it in a minute. <laughs> okay, you're listening. To, you're listening to Jesus nine one one. Jess Romero, Paul Clay. We're talking about the Middle Ages were cleaner than modern times, yes. without a doubt. Uh, yes, the, the, the cities were cleaner, and it seems to me, I think the people's souls were cleaner as well. I think there yeah. was more. I think there was more godliness in the Middle Ages than there is now. And oh, there yeah. Definitely, yeah, there was definitely more cleanliness in the cities and streets of the Middle Ages than there is now in the big cities in the U.S. You know, Scott, uh... we'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. So the question is, can those who missed out on traditional baptism pre-1962 get the exorcisms supplied by, by Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, who's the smartest guy on all things uh, traditional Catholicism than anybody on planet Earth? Uh, he says, now more and more Catholics are becoming aware of the many differences between the traditional rite of baptism that the church used well for well over a thousand years and its efficient community-friendly exorcism-free replacement at the hands of Paul VI. Devout men and women have much reason to lament benefits of which they or their children were deprived. Undoubtedly, the essence of the sacrament is met with, with in either form, the essence, by immersion in water or the pouring of water over the head in the name of the Most Holy Trinity. The one being baptized descends with Christ into his redemptive death and cleanse of all sin, rises again with him to the new life of grace as a son of God. This is the core mystery of the sacrament of baptism, and it could never be lacking in the church. Jump to another side. He says, as we know, if anyone is in danger of death and for an adult, if there is willingness to receive baptism, he should be baptized immediately by anyone who is there to say the words and pour the water. This is called simple baptism. St. Thomas Aquinas explains that the most necessary sacrament should also be the one that is the easiest to supply at any time by anyone. We jump to in the next relevant section. Thus, St. Thomas gives voice to the entire tradition when he states that baptism, though it can be it can be done very simply in the case of emergency, should normally be done with solemnity and all accompanying ceremonies. In the Summa Theologia, St. Thomas nevertheless devotes an entire question to the ceremonies that go with baptism, above all, the exorcisms. He sees them as having a great importance for the obvious reason that apart from the Virgin Mary and her son, every child conceived and brought forth into this fallen world is in fact under the dominion of the devil and needs to be delivered from it. 
Professor Thomas Pink has written extensively about the church's traditional faith in regard to the real battle between the devil's kingdom and Christ's and the contrasting tendency of today's official theology to ignore this unpleasant subject completely. Mm. And pains me, to, pains me to say that. It's an inconvenient it, truth. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, a preferential option for the naivete that has entered into the very liturgy of the church, as Dr. Pink demonstrates by a comparison of the old and new rites of baptism, the liturgical reform operated with fortunate inconsistency on the basis of a Protestant modernist theory of liturgy as salvation theater that, demonst that demonstrates what Christ has already done and not what he's doing here and now. It is, in an event, shocking to discover that a major part of the prayer life of the church stretching back into antiquity was literally crossed out of the pages of her liturgical book books. Mm. In some, the centuries-old Latin rite of baptism expresses the church's fully developed faith with a clarity that cannot be surpassed and shows the manifest intention to enact all that it signifies. Mm. The new rite of baptism expresses a truncated understanding of faith, which, while not mangled enough to undermine validity, A, deprives the one being baptized of a certain fullness in the effects of baptism sought by the church, B, deprives the one baptizing of the full realization of what he is doing and why, and C, deprives the circumstances, the others who are present, of a salutary reminder of the ongoing cosmic battle between good and evil, yes. in which baptism is the moment of separating light from darkness, when a child of Adam is torn from the ranks of the devil, and his name is inscribed in the book of life. Thus, mm -hmm. with the new rite of baptism, everyone suffers the loss of graces that Christ willed them to have when he providentially guided his church in the development of her liturgical rites. Mm. Families in which the first few children were baptized in the new rite and the younger children in the old rite, or couples in mixed marriages, if I might use that expression metaphorically, in which a traditional Catholic spouse and a novice order spouse compares notes, and the latter comes to realize how much he has missed out on, may find it quite natural to ask the question, is it possible to have a priest supply at a later date the missing parts from the old rite of baptism? That's what we're going to get to right now. Uh, Dr. Kwasniewski has been asked, I've been contacted about this question more than once. It is no mere hypothetical scenario. One man wrote to me as follows, said, he, had, he has Dr. Kwasniewski, my wife and I were baptized in the new rite of baptism. That's, that's uh, post-1965 as well as my oldest son and daughter. My two younger daughters were baptized in the traditional rite. Do you know whether it's possible, legitimate, to get the exorcisms since they were never done? I don't want to do anything that would be spiritually harmful, but I am concerned about the fact that some of us didn't have the benefits of the old rite. I want to take every precaution to defend my family against preternatural attacks. On the non-Catholic side of my family, there's a lot of Freemasonry. Regardless, we've never had the benefit of the old white exorcisms. Any advice you might be able to offer would be much appreciated. That's what we're going to get to that right now. Another question was asked to Dr. Kuzneski. Another lady wrote to him and said this. My husband and I were wondering about the extraordinary form baptismal rite with this blessing of the tongue and the three exorcisms. 
We were not baptized in the extraordinary form and would like to know if you've ever heard of someone requesting those rites to be supplied. We did baptize our last three children according to the extraordinary form rites, but the first four are not. And so, in addition to ourselves, we'd really like to receive those missing rites. We'd be thankful for any advice on this topic. Dr. Kwasniewski says, before I go into the answer, let me say that I too was born out of season in the fruity year of 1971 when everything in the church was topsy-turvy. Dr. Kwasniewski says, I was not baptized with the authentic Roman rite of baptism. My first reconciliation was sadly lacking. I was instructed to stick out my hands for first communion, and my confirmation was so banal as to leave absolutely no trace, no trace on my memory, even if it left a character on my soul. Valid sacraments, all of them, but manifestly wanting in every other respect. So I sympathize deeply with both these two people that contacted him with the sense of lack of absence caused by the discovery later in life of what the church once offered to all of her faithful before the changes, post-1965. People of our generation, and he's, he's about 10 years younger than us, Paul, People of our generation have been robbed, and I understand the desire to, dis to recover those lost opportunities. As this, as this question about supplying ceremonies will doubtless be on the minds of more and more woke Catholics, I decided to bring it to four traditional Catholic priests of my acquaintance, all of whom celebrate the Usus Antiquor, that's the Latin Mass exclusively. Mm -hmm. Their answers, given independently, are in harmony with one another, and express what might be called the voice of supernatural common sense. I will give their responses consecutively. Now, let me give you Jess Romero's answer before we go on to the priest, and I want to hear from Paul. People have asked me this question for 20-some-odd years. I get emails, and here's what I tell them. I'm saying, number one, the Bible says very clearly, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one father of us all. Ephesians chapter 4 and following. And so, re being rebaptized is a Christian heresy. People would be, were excommunicated in the early Catholic Church for performing rebaptisms. It's a heresy when it's done by full knowledge, deliberate consent of the will, and you do it in defiance of the church. And so, no, whatever baptism you receive pre-1965, post-1965, they are valid. Why? Because, number one, as a baby, when I got baptized, I am not in the authority. I don't have the authority of the popes and the bishops or the priests. So let's just say something was lacking in the words and in the phrases and in the ritual itself. God, as the Bible says in Philippians 4.19, God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So if the church failed in an area uh, because of redacted prayers, because of truncated prayers, God will supply where the church lacks. So as a Catholic, no, you cannot get rebaptized. Baptism is a one and done. Paul, you want to, you have a comment before we get to the priest statements? Jess, uh, that was a mic drop moment because <laughs> the church the church does supply. Uh, like you said, um, uh, and, and this brings a lot of comfort to me because, see, you know, in Protestantism, as a Protestant, you have to try to figure everything out on your own. But uh, the church is the mystical body of Christ. And uh, 
God is the one who um, ensures that we get everything we need, even yes. when the even when human beings within the body fail. Yes, um, uh, and we see that a lot going on in this day yes. and age. Uh, but uh, but one point that I want to make from this article is that words do matter, right? Absolutely. And so, and so uh, it's not. Uh, we, yeah, yeah, we shouldn't take it yeah. lightly when certain no. things are removed uh, from the liturgy, from the uh, from the you know the the, the rites and the sacraments. Uh, they matter and they do have an effect because what the words also do is they teach us the faith, you know, and 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 they get and they bring us to the reality of you know that we are in a battle. We are in a battle with the devil. Jesus did deliver us, you know. Uh, uh, from the slavery of sin and death, you know, um, and the king, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom yes, of darkness. Yeah. Yes, and if yeah. you remove that, you essentially, uh, you know, that's that's the memory of the church. It's it's just it's what you know uh, what every Catholic should know. And uh, when when you have truncated uh, liturgies and so forth, uh, what you have is you have people who, even though that you know Jesus supplies um uh you know in and and the sacraments and so forth are valid but at the same time um the people forget and they begin to uh act in a way where they're not uh consistent with uh, historic authentic right. catholicism we'll pick this up on this on the next segment we're talking about uh the, the rite of baptism pre-1962 yeah. post-1962 Yep. And we'll continue talking about that. You're listening to Jesus 911, Jesse Mary Paul Clay. Both of us, lovers of Christ, uh, devotees of the Blessed Virgin Mary, faithful sons of the church, you're here to. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus Christ is Lord. And guess what? Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. And two of the three things have already happened. Christ has died. Check that box off. Christ has risen. Check that box off. Christ will come again. That's all we're waiting for, church. Yep. Hey, we're talking about the sacrament of baptism, and we're comparing the both rites, the pre-Vatican II rite and the post-Vatican II rite. Three priests are asked the question, if I was baptized in the post-1965 rite of baptism, where the exorcism prayers have been removed, do I have to get baptized again? So here are the answers of four different priests. Paul, you want to take the first one? Uh, I didn't pull it up here. Hold on one second. Uh, I'll take it. I'll do the first one. Yeah, I the got first, it. I got it, Jess. Okay. I got it. This is, an un, this is an unusual request. I suspect it arises uh, from there being a provision for infants who receive the attendant ceremonies of baptism after already having been baptized because they were in danger of dying. I don't know if anyone has sought an official response from Rome, so my response is just my opinion. I would argue that the inquirer's situation is not comparable to a case of emergency. In the latter case, a moral unity still exists between the baptism itself and the ceremonies. Even though these are conferred some little time afterwards. Also, such a child would have received none of the ceremonials. 
uh, and that would be like the uh, the oil of the catechumens, the chrism, the candle, the garment. Whereas someone in the inquirer situ- in the inquirer situation would have received all of these except the prayers of exorcism. It is worth noting that the prayers of exorcism confer with a fuller signification and effect contained in the sacrament of baptism itself, namely incorporation into the mystical body which consequently removes one from the devil's dominion. In somewhat the way minor orders are contained in holy orders, such that the one being ordained has no absolute need to receive minor orders or tonsure beforehand, but can be ordained straight away. It is obviously more fitting that exorcisms precede a baptism and that minor orders precede the diaconate. That's uh, the key. That's the key. His last sentence is the key to his his basically his response. These are all traditional priests that do the Latin yeah. mass. Now yes. he's just saying it is obviously more fitting, yes. fitting that exorcisms yes. precede a baptism. So he's talking about the old rite, and that minor orders precede the, the diaconate. Uh, yes. It's not. It's not absolutely necessary, but it's more fitting. And I'll tell you why it's not absolutely necessary. Because theologically, when you look at Matthew 20, 28, 19, and 20, our Lord Jesus Christ tells us how to baptize. Mm-hmm. And he said how to baptize. And it's pretty simple. You baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we know that you baptize in water based on his own baptism. And so all the other language that's been added, that's from Holy Mother Church. It's beautiful language. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's church language. It didn't come from Christ. And so theoretically, it is more fitting that exorcism precede a baptism, but it's not absolutely necessary based on the New Testament data. Because we also know in the Hebrew, when the word uh, blessing in Hebrew, barakah, a blessing, when you look at a Hebrew dictionary, it tells you that a barakah, a blessing, also affords protection from the diabolical. So the Israelite blessing over the Israelites, they didn't have to say, and we exercised the demons from the Israelite camp back in the time of Moses and Aaron. The blessing was sufficient to drive out the diabolical. And so that's why this priest, very astute, he says, yes, it's more fitting, but it's really, it's not necessary. Don't get me wrong. I like that language because uh, it, it's just good to hear those prayers from Holy Mother Church descend upon the person. But when you look at Matthew 28, 19, there's the actual formula right there. What's the, the second, Paul, you got any comments? No, I, you know, it, it, but I don't want to sound like, you know, uh, it's not that big a deal, you know, because, uh, you know, don't worry, God provides. Well, it is a big deal in the sense that, number one, it just reinforces the reality of the whole situation uh, uh, between man and God and the reality of the spiritual battle that we are in daily. And that, uh, uh, you know, Jesus Christ has power over the devil. Um, so th- that's just what comes to my mind. I, you yeah. know, Let's see what the second priest says. Yeah. The, yeah. Se- the, the second priest, the ceremonies of the old rite cannot be supplied to someone baptized in the new ritual. Because a supplying of ceremonies implies that something was incomplete in the rite that was actually used. Now, yeah, the new rite, yeah. 
the new rite, as anemic as it is, is complete in itself as far as what is specified by the church to be done. And the reason he's saying that is because it follows Matthew 28, 19. That's what Jesus said to do. So there are no ceremonies left to supply. There is instead a fully enacted but impoverished rite that, and he's talking about the new rite, that should someday be either revised or retired. And by the way, I agree with that. As they say, and my, my, my friend Paul was a lieutenant here, so he knows about getting police reports and and, and using his red pen and saying, <laughs> red pen, red pen, red pen, red pen. Yeah, I, I believe that hopefully a future pope, like a Pius X, like a Leo XIII, will arise from the ranks of the bishops, and that he will redline with a red pen many of the things that happened after 1965. But I'm not the pope. That's just my desire. The next paragraph that says this, the priest says, Put it this way, in essence and in practice, the two forms of baptism are different rites, just as we don't go to look looking at the Mozarabic rite to see what we may have missed out on and ask a, a, a priest to supply it. So a Catholic baptized in the new rite should look at the traditional Roman rite and ask what he missed out on. Rather, he should use his knowledge to seek out old rite baptism for his own children in the future and to encourage his family and friends to do the same. And the priest, the second priest makes a good point because the Catholic church has two lungs. The, the Western lung, and Paul and myself were part of the, the, the Western lung known as the Latin rite. Then you got the Eastern lung of the Catholic church. Within the Eastern lung, they have 22 rites, R-I-T-E-S, Byzantine rite, Mozarabic rite, Syriac rite, Chaldean rite. They all have different forms of baptism. So if you got baptized in the Chaldean church or their Syriac Catholic church, you can't now come to the Latin church and say, hey, uh, their, their baptism was deficient because it was then the Syriac Catholic church. I want to be rebaptized in the, in the Roman Catholic church. No, it's, it, it's, it's a valid rite within the two lungs of the Catholic church. And, uh, as of 1965, now we have two rites of baptism within the Western rite or the Latin rite of Catholic church. Paul, what does the third priest say? Okay, number three. He says, my inclination, my inclination would be to say no, providing all the ceremonies and prayers that accompany ordinary baptism, apart from baptism itself, is foreseen when the baptism was administered in the case of emergency and the person recovered or lived. It's called supplying the rites or ceremonies which include the exorcism prayers in the old form. In fact, in the old days, when a baptized Protestant converted, he would be supplied the ceremonies of baptism, even if he previously received valid baptism. However, it would seem strange to attempt to supply the rites of the old form when a person had in fact received the sacrament validly according to the revised liturgical books. I do understand the desire of the person who asked. It's an expression for what we missed out on. For example, I admire and deeply love the old rite of, ordina of ordination and wish I had been ordained in the old form. But I can't go and ask a bishop to give me all those extra prayers and ceremonies. My ordination was valid. Despite having missed out, I must accept that and move forward, promoting a return to the old right as much as lies in my power. But I can't ask the traditional prayers surrounding sacraments I, re I validly receive. You know, 
uh, let's see here. Okay. I would, reassure- I would Yeah, I would reassure the person of the validity of their baptism and so of their being united to Christ. If they are in a state of grace and not mortal sin, they have all the power of God at their disposal to combat evil. Bingo. I don't, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. don't know of any other prayers of explicit exorcism that a priest could say over them other than the formal rite of exorcism itself, which it doesn't sound like they need. I would encourage all the faithful to pray from time to time the full and original prayer of Pope Leo against Satan. This is not the version uh, with the exorcisms, which is reserved to exorcists. It's just a lengthier version of the more familiar short form said after low mass. You know, uh, Jess, just, uh, you know, commenting. And when you understand this, and this is what it means to be Catholic. Again, sometimes, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, as in the case of, uh, let's say, the Novus Ordo Mass, I can look at the Novus Ordo Mass and I can tell you that it's anemic when it comes to certain things. Yes. But but at the same time, uh, it's everything that we need because the church supplies uh, what we're not getting, you know. Yes. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of people that want to say, oh, the Novus Ordo Mass is every every problem in the world today is because of the Novus Ordo Mass. And I, I'm just not one of those people. Uh, if I have Neither the choice, I. Yeah, yeah, if if I have the choice to go to a traditional Latin mass, absolutely. Why? Because it's 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 there's gold in them, their hills. You know, it is so yeah. rich. Yeah. It is amazing. But uh, but at the same time, we can't sit there and just discount because as you know, as Catholics, we believe that number one, the Holy Spirit is safeguarding the church and the church will supply all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's right. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, and something also that's very important is that uh, all the problems in the world, mm-hmm. that when somebody says it's because of the Novus Ordo Mass, no, it's not. It's because mm-hmm. of human sin in the heart. It's yes. because the heart of man is desperately wicked. Woo, Jeremiah chapter it, 17. And who can know it? <laughs> yep. That's why. Because yeah, exceedingly wicked. Yes. yes. That's the problem. The problem is a heart problem. Yes. Uh, I will leave the liturgy to the authority of the church. I'm not in the authority. I'm a lay person. I'm on the bottom rung of the ladder. Uh, if there has been malfeasance done in the church liturgically or doctrinally, I'm not going to pay for it. I'm just a lay person. I have no authority to fix the problem. Hey, that's a wrap. (laughs) We'll we'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith. See you next time.